Welcome to the City Light Family Podcast, a podcast for ministry leaders, young and old. Our aim is to equip you for the work of ministry and encourage you along the way. I'm with my friends. My name is Chris Ruska, pastor here at City Light Omaha, with my friend Jared. What's up, y'all? Come on now. Yeah. He's a pastor of Providence, and we are also beaming in via technology, internet, Zoom, all of the things. Pastor Phil Robinson, City Light Fort Collins, was here in Omaha and uh, launched out there to plant a new church. Say what's up, Phil. What's up, guys? Good to be with you guys. Come on, man. Uh, Phil, what do the folks and the listeners need to know about you? Is there anything going on in your life? Are you training for anything unique? Uh, yeah, so just real quickly, I've been married to my wife, beautiful wife, Fades, for 17 years now, four daughters, live in a sorority, uh, and I am training for a half Ironman. It's uh, a month from yesterday, so June 10th. Uh, okay. So 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike ride, and 13.1 mile run. Uh, so Whoa, yeah, is that it's it? taught me a lot. Of, taught me a lot about endurance. Are you going to do any burpees after that, or is that just like you're? That's where you just drop it. Like okay, I'm thinking about it, but okay. I might just drop those. Guys, I did a 5K one time in high school yeah. on accident. I think somebody invited me to a race because there was going to be bagels afterwards, and there was a cute girl. I did a one mile turkey trot on Thanksgiving Day one time. I remember that. Yeah. You, you couldn't walk for three months after. Yeah, my you neck pulled a hurt. Yeah, my neck hurt too. Neck. I had to go to the chiropractor the next day. Oh my day, gosh. But, I, I remember your wife texting my wife about the essential oils she needed to get you just to get it all it, right. It got me right, though. It got you yeah. right. So, anyways, this is awesome. The topic we're talking about today is eldership within the local church. So, uh, when we think about the value of a local church, we uh, one of the distinctives in the City Light family is that we want to be elder-led and really a plurality of elders in every local church. And we think that's God's design to keep the church healthy and thriving and uh, that leadership isn't around one person. So we've been around the church game a while. All of you guys have kind of seen different models of church. But Jared, why do you think that's so important that we have, like, it's not just one dude, that it's not all about built around, but it's a plurality. Why, why can you say, okay, I, th- I think God's design is good and helpful and we should be talking about this. Yeah. I mean, well, one, I think the Bible talks about it. Yeah. We, we get some cues from that. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, but I mean, we all know, you know, the stories of the crash and burn of, yes. you know, personality driven, yes. one person, you know, a platform driven thing in churches just don't, I mean, there's something helpful that happens from the platform, from someone speaking, casting vision, but that's not like the lifeblood of the church, right? Like obviously Jesus is the thing that we center everything on, but there's something powerful and unique that happens when the people do the ministry. Um, And it's a, it's a people focused ministry, right? And so you look at the scriptures and you see like, so one of the, one of the, you want me to talk Bible now or? Yeah. You, yeah. I, I think I, what I'm trying to do even is just to set up the need is like, I think all of us have been around and exactly what you said, the warnings of when we don't do it God's yeah. way. And you see this happen in local churches yeah. where it becomes about that one guy who's visible with the most gifts and the most education yeah. and he's not sharing authority and all of a sudden it's his voice that's the biggest voice and the only voice and so that puts the church in a really weird spot Mm -hmm. and it creates a celebrity culture it creates a lack of accountability places where people that are gifted can really be on a platform but they're not known and held accountable and like you said it's just it creates in this church that there's a real separation when 
you know, we're going to get to the Bible, but I see why organizationally people can do it. It can mm-hmm. work to grow a crowd. It doesn't always make healthy disciples. Totally. And it makes me really nervous when I follow churches and kind of see the way they're structured, or you can just kind of tell it's all built around one guy or one method. And mm-hmm. it makes me real, real nervous at that point. So what's the Bible? Let's get to the Bible. Yeah, yeah. What's it have to say? Is eldership even a biblical idea? Are we just winging this? And then Phil, I want you to to take second chair and respond. But Jared, what do you got? Does the Bible give any instruction to the New Testament church on eldership? Yeah. So one of the things, one of the places uh, that you see it, so in Acts 6, when uh, they're kind of getting this church thing off the ground, and all of a sudden there's uh, these disciples or these apostles are like doing all this ministry, but the needs get like too great for them. And they're like, hey, we need some people to like just take care of people. And so they appoint some deacons and they say, we need some people to do that work because there's this ministry, uh, the ministry of the word and of prayer that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like spiritual shepherding thing. And you see these spiritual shepherds, you know, throughout the New Testament carrying on this kind of role. There's letters written to like shepherds like in the, these pastoral epistles. And then at the end of like First Peter, uh, you see some instructions to elders. They're like, hey, you... Peter is pleading. He's saying, hey, shepherd, he's an elders. Uh, I can't remember the exact words, but shepherd the flock. And he says, don't do it under compulsion. There's not an obligatory thing, but he's just pleading to the heart of these people because there are people in our congregations that need to be, people just need to be taken care of. They need to be shepherded. You need to, you know, help guard their hearts and minds by guarding doctrine. You need to pray for them. You need to, you know, minister through the word. And then you see, I mean, there's other passages we can talk about in a little bit too, of just, hey, there's a certain kind of man that's qualified to do this. Um, and yeah, we can talk about that too. But but there's this deep spiritual need for a group of people who have this kind of overseer or elder title. We see in the it. scriptures. Yep, yep. I love the focus, by the way, that it, it doesn't put a focus early in the New Testament on just great organizational principles and leaders. Yeah. It's what are your elders supposed to be doing? If you're at a local church saying, do I have good elders? Well, if they pray that yeah. God would do a great work in and through yeah. the church and they're praying for you and they're communing with the Father and they're giving themselves to heralding God's word. That's They want people to know Jesus through his primary way of revelation, which is his word, preaching and discerning sound doctrine, which a ton of instruction on protect sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the role. That's yeah. part of it. And then yeah. shepherding the flock, caring for people. Yeah. So, Phil, what do you got? Any qualifications for eldership? Any Any thoughts on biblically, where do we get this idea and why is it important? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly God's desire and his design. And, uh, there's several places, uh, we see the qualifications laid out so clearly first Timothy chapter three, uh, Titus chapter one, uh, it's just spells it out. Here are the qualities, here are the characteristics of what should be true of, uh, someone who's even aspiring to leadership. And it's a good and godly thing to aspire to that. Yeah. Um, but most of these things that are listed are not competencies. It's not giftedness. It's not, uh, being able to woo a crowd or, uh, lead a group of people. It's just, it's mostly godly character. Um, and then the other place you see, uh, Jared, you mentioned Acts chapter six, but in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders and, uh, just gives them a, an exhortation, you know, to serve the Lord with humility. And I think the two things that stick out there, it's like a humble heart and then, he says in verse 28 of chapter 20, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to what? To care for the church of God, right? So just a huge, like, 
as elders, um, as pastors, that's one of our primary roles is to care for the flock that God's entrusted us with. Come on. I love that. So, uh, the New Testament church, we are here at this table because all of us love Jesus. If you're listening, you probably love Jesus. And you're thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? You've established a church of people that are yours. And then now we're having a conversation of like, how has he organized this spiritual mm-hmm. family, right? He, wh- how, what offices are there within this local church? And uh, obviously elder is one of them and then members. But, you know, we're having the conversation right now about just even the qualifications and I just want to read some. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. So First Timothy 3, uh, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires, so the first thing that we're looking for is they've got to have a desire to serve the local church. Jesus, how can I build your church? How can I serve your church? Well, you've got to aspire to the office of overseer. Uh, he desires a noble task. So it's not wrong to long for this. A lot of times we put people in time out, like stop raising your hand for leadership opportunities. No, like mm-hmm. you should, you should. This is an affirmed thing in the Bible. You can have different motives for it, but the Bible seems to be saying, hey, if they're truly, genuinely desiring to serve in the local church at this level, um, that's not a bad thing. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. There's the one competency, right? Not quarrelsome, not violent, but gentle, Um uh, not quarrelsome, I apologize, not not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, um, how humbling is it to read this as men who serve as elders within the local church and know that, um, man, we aspire to this thing, but there's times where I'm not always gentle. Mm. Does it make sense? There's times in my life where not all of this is true of me. And, um, and so I don't think this is like for me, the way I've, I've seen this as there's going to be times where even as an elder within a local church, the gospel is not just for the members of the church. The gospel is for me. Mm. And the gospel is calling me to repent and believe and declare war on sin and pursue holiness. But at the same time, these are these are actually just qualifications that describe Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That That's who this is. Mm-hmm. And so every man and woman in our church, should, I would hope, would want to say, I want these characteristics to be true of me, right? So, um, okay, so we've got uh, a little biblical backing on why we value this and and this is not just one person, but a plurality, a team of elders that would serve in the local church. And, um, you know, as you guys just think, Phil and Jared, what are some of the responsibilities that you would want every elder in your local church to be doing? Can I just ask that? Like, what do elders do? Some people are like, I didn't even know there were elders in local churches, but what do they actually do week to week? Obviously, they set an example for the flock and who they are, the kind of lives they live. But what kind of authority, what kind of responsibilities, what kinds of ways do they live with inside of the church to build it up and see it flourish? So what are your expectations for your elders? What are your thoughts on that? Phil, take it, man. Yeah, no, I, we, we just went through this process and installed our first round of elders and really thinking through, okay, what are they actually going to be doing, you know, aside from uh, gathering with God's people, being there on Sunday, being there in group, uh, those are for sure, you know, expectations and uh, that they would even lead uh, the groups outside of a Sunday morning. Um, but really being intentional to regularly spend time, you know, with God's people, even outside of those spaces, 
discipleship relationships, checking in with people, um, regularly praying for the members of the church and understanding what are the, what's going on with people. Um, maybe people, they need to visit people in the hospital. Um, how are, you know, what are they doing to care uh, for those people, uh, going to pray for those who are sick. Um, and just thinking through like, uh, shepherding the flock that God's given us. We've even talked about with our city group leaders, uh, dividing up our leaders and just being very intentional to connect with them, to pursue them as elders of the church, not just pastors, but, uh, staff elders, lay elders to really intentionally care for them and be praying for them. Yeah. So those are some of the things. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's good stuff. We, I mean, we, ask our elders to do a lot of similar things. We, I mean, they're, they're carrying the burdens, you know, mm-hmm. you're there. I just yesterday, you know, had a, uh, a meeting with one of our lay elders who got off work early, busted it down to mm-hmm. an office space to meet with a situation where there's a broken marriage and a separation. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're in the thick of it, yeah. you know, shouldering the, the spiritual burdens. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're in, and then you know on you know Phil, you said to just sh- it's a given that they show up to the things, but there's a a unique intentionality that we call them to whenever they're around the people of God, whether it's in a city group on Sunday mornings, like be a shepherding presence all the time, just be intentional about it. So yeah, yeah, that's good. The other thing that I would add is just like the Chris, you mentioned it. The one competency is teaching, hmm. and we want to give spaces for our elders to actually practice that, put that into practice. Um, so we haven't formalized this yet, but even uh, giving, equipping them to equip others, training them to teach some of the classes that we offer, whether it's helping with membership classes, baptism class, um, helping lead prayer worship times, uh, maybe even teaching on a Sunday morning. So just exercising that gift of teaching. Yep. Yeah. And I think that the real, you know, the elders, you think about the Jewish context, right, in the synagogue and it, oftentimes there would be a rabbi that would travel into these small towns and give a word. And it was really the local elders that would either affirm that word at the end or say, no, that's not biblical and true. And in the New Testament church, that was exactly the same thing that happened. It was up to the elders to say, amen, amen, or to say, actually, no, that's not a not a good word. <laughs> that yeah, is not yeah. in line with uh, the right doctrine. And so that you can see how Paul and the, the scriptures are putting an emphasis on protecting sound doctrine, because if there was ever a threat to the church then and now is there's a lot of false gospels. Mm. And if it's not tied to God's word and the revelation that he's, he's spoken about himself through his word, then it, the church can get really messed up, right? Workspace righteousness comes in, prosperity gospel comes in, um, lots of stuff can come in that's not going to be helpful for the church. So, um, you know, I even think about our elders at times, if there was ever a concern about the preaching or teaching, like one of the things that we do with communicators is just have, we submit our manuscripts to each other just to make sure there's a check on the doctrine that's going to be yeah. preached on a Sunday morning. We do that in other environments like our college ministries and others. Like we just want to make sure that the doctrine that's coming from a stage, from a place of authority, um, is centered and biblical and godly and helpful um, and Christ-centered. And so um, all those things we're asking our elders to, to really watch and do. So, oh, okay, so now picture yourself as a church planner if you're listening and you've got to plan a brand new church. And one of the things you're looking for is not just how do we get our folks on mission, but you're immediately thinking like, 
we don't have any elders. I, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna be the visible leaders in the rooms that are protecting doctrine, praying, that are making disciples, that are leading in mission, that are setting example on their home, um, all of those things that we just talked about. So you both have went through this. So Jared, you've installed elders. You're a really healthy, established church with elders that are leading. Um, take me into the process. What were you, what was your process? When did you make the decision? Like we're going to start an eldership pathway. We're going to install elders. Now we're interacting with elders regularly and they're leading. What has that process looked like for you at Providence? Yeah, because, you know, because we had a value for elders from the very beginning, we're like, Hey, how quickly can we do this? Because we see the need. Right. And so early on, I won't say too much about this, but early on we're like, Hey, we're not ready to install elders yet. It's going to take a little while, but how can we get some of the people who we think maybe could be elders one day around a, in a room, yes. start reading a book about eldership just to kind of prime the pump a little bit to see who rises up. Yeah. But, um, so, and then, you know, I don't know what year it was, maybe if it was year three or something, we started, uh, we said, Hey, we want to, we want to, to make this happen. So let's start a cohort six months long. And the way that we're going to identify people, and this is Phil, maybe you have something better than this, but yeah. the, the way that we've done it so far is we're looking around and we're saying, Hey, who is already kind of acting like an That's elder, it. you know, you're like, yep. Hey, who's already just a natural shepherd who you're seeing on Sunday morning, you know, they may have their arm around somebody praying for them. They're intentionally pursuing people. If somebody has an issue, they're taking them out for coffee the next week, who is acting like an elder already. And we tap these guys on the shoulder and we say, Hey, let's come in to this context. We're going to take six months together because you needed some time to, to yeah. vet a little bit. Um, and we're going to do two things and this is just our process. Yeah. This is not Bible, but this was just our process. Um, we're going to say, we need to, we need to get around a book about eldership and we need to talk about this. So we know what this role is. So you know exactly what the calling is. So you can pray into whether or not you feel called and just learn like, Hey, this is what the responsibilities are. So there's some learning around eldership. The other thing is, um, my co-pastor Andrew and I, we're trying to download everything we could about who our church is, what our philosophy is, yes. what we're all about. This is how our church ticks because we essentially, when we launch out, we're the two elders, yep. the, the, the sole elders of the church. And so we're saying, Hey, here's who our church is. Does this feel like, did you realize this? Yeah. Do you know this? Could you get on board with this? Could you support this? And so, and then you get into the kind of the pressure cooker of having lots of conversations. It was actually a blessing to us that COVID landed mm -hmm. in the middle of yep. our first cohort because it created this pressure cooker of like, relational interesting yeah. stuff because it's hard to mimic the the tough work of you know the elder room when something goes wrong a marriage goes south something yeah. crazy happens and so um and, and you want to try to create some some sort of, you don't want to create relational tension but some sort of pressure to to see hey yeah. when we're under the gun together are we going to stay locked arm in arm and so that was some of our process then after six months we uh yeah, we, we were surprised. We thought we had a, you know, uh, we thought, oh, we're going to have a ton of elders after this. And then it was like, oh, there's, I think, a couple people that have surfaced from this. And, uh, yeah. but it was a interesting, helpful so, process. And we've, yes. we've done something yep. close to that uh, since then when we uh, installed a couple elders just uh, a few months ago. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great process. Um, Phil, what's your process been like there in FOCO? Yeah, for us, at least identifying the men, very similar. Just looking for men uh, who are already stewarding, you know, their time, their talents, their treasure, right? They're leading city groups. They're giving generously. They're investing in discipleship relationships. So those guys are just looking around and surface to the top immediately. You invite them into that space. 
And what we learned, we kind of did two processes. One, you don't, in a, in a new church plant, you don't want to go too fast. You don't just want to be like, okay, they read their Bible. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's make it an elder, you know? So you want to, but you also don't want to go too slow and never get there. So you've got to be very intentional. But we learned from the first process. We just had it very open-ended. We invited a few guys. We read a book together um, and it was good. And a couple of the guys, those guys ended up going with our church plant uh, to Greeley, uh, Salt Church in Greeley, which was awesome. So then we just had to start over again. And so we just shortened the process. Uh, we did it through the fall. It was a 10 week elder and training process where just created a little bit more system and structure, read through gospel eldership together by Bob Ben. And then we had them fill out a really long, just like elder questionnaire talking about what are their theological positions, uh, their doctrine, how are they applying that? And then how are they actually living that out? Like, what does it look like for them to practice spiritual disciplines? Um, so that's how we did it. And we invited, we actually invited like seven or eight guys, only three ended up going through that process and all of them ended up becoming elders. Um, and the last thing that I would add is just, uh, making sure that their wives are also on board, uh, is really important. So we even asked the wives, you know, to write why they think that their husband is elder qualified, why he would make a good elder of our local church. And, uh, you just want that, you want unity in the home around that. Um, so that was the kind of the lens we looked through and, um, yeah, super excited for us, you know, as a new church to be able to install those elders and super excited for each of those men that have stepped into that process. Yeah. I love that. I love the, the wife piece. That's really helpful. We were like, Hey, you know, your, your family has to be on board with this. My, my dad is actually an elder in a church. He's 73 years old. And they sent me a couple of years ago, they sent me a questionnaire to wow. fill out. And I actually love that. I'm like, what am I doing? Oh no, this is actually really good. Like yes. this is getting the inside look. Yeah. And so they could actually see like, is this the real deal? You know? Yes. Yeah. And I love the scripture starts there. Like, how are you going to care for God's house, God's people? If you won't care for your own covenant bride and you won't care for your own children, you won't discipline them. You won't correct them. You won't be gracious with them. What would make you think that you would do that for people that aren't even your biological mm. kin, right? And where does the gospel get tested? Guys, if you're, all of us are married. We all, I know all of your wives. You have amazing, you have an amazing wife, both of you. But like, the reality is, is that is the place that so much of our character is tested. Mm. And, um, and so, so grateful that you guys included that. Uh, last thing on this, um, last thing I'll say about this real quick is like, how do you guys interact now with the elders in your church? How do you guys interact in an ongoing way? Yeah, I can jump in. We are actually, we, so as far as regularly meeting, we're doing that twice a month. Um, we actually have our first meeting today. I'm headed there right after this. And really it's just like caring for each other. We're just going to say, Hey, what, what have we been learning in God's word? Um, what are struggles we have? Is there sin that we need to confess to each other? How can we pray for each other? Uh, so we'll do that, uh, once a month. And then in two weeks, we'll have more like a business type meeting. Here's the agenda. Here's the financial update. Here's the things that we need to talk about and make decisions on. And what are your guys' wisdom and thoughts on that? Um, so those are the touch points there. Um, and then we just have a text thread that we're also communicating on too. So um, that's the way we're approaching it uh, right now. So Yeah, I think ours is very similar. We actually, yeah, do a super similar thing twice a month where it's one that's more of a shepherding thing, one that's more 
like your oversight of stuff. Like we're moving buildings right now. So you're talking about a lot of that stuff. So it, it's a similar thing. And then, yeah, text thread. So I don't know if I have much to add to that, but I love um, just it like <clears throat> you want to invest in these dudes to try to create a culture. To, so you are like actually brothers in the fight yeah. together. Like for me, I actually, so I'm, I'm bragging on my elders because just yesterday, two of the elders said, hey, we know yes. that you pour out and you shepherd a lot of people. We don't know who's shepherding you. So they took me out to lunch yesterday oh, and on. just asked yeah. how I was doing. And I'm like, dude, I'm, amazing. I'm, I'm so high on elders right now. I'm like, yes, this Thank is such you. an amazing thing. Yes, they, my two dudes, Scott and Zach, took me out to lunch. Shout uh, out, shout yeah, out, shout out Providence greatness. elders. Yeah. Come on now. That's awesome. Hey, that's a great word. And uh, similar rhythms for us. We have meetings, we have text messages. I would say this, uh, one, if you're a pastor, this is great work to do, like especially a church planner and then establish pastors, cultivating the eldership and the plurality and the culture there and the maturity there. It is worth your time, energy, and effort. So do that work. Uh, if you're just a member listening or a staff member listening, please do pray for the unity of your elders. I think Satan would love to divide, uh, to have people, men, compare, to lose heart, to get mixed motives, um, to let that place be a place of agendas and egos. And so it really does take um, a lot of humility to lead in plurality. Um, and so I would just say, please do pray for your elders. It is a divisive time. Uh, there's going to be battles within the church that those elders have to put out. Like you talked about, a lot of pastoral discipline, hardship. A lot of fun things, good problems, but even trying to figure out how do we plant churches? It's going to cost money and staff and resources, and we're going to send elders. And how, do we want to keep doing that work? It takes a lot for the elders to keep saying yes. And then external pressures pushing, pushing on your elders uh, as far as what's happening with culture and attack on truth and gender and all of the things. And so they've got to continue to stand firm on the word of God, and they are going to feel that. And so please do be praying for your elders. If you are an elder and you're listening thank you you are an answer to prayer um that you would continue to to labor and to serve and to bless the local church and so uh if you're a young person we want to as men just encourage you to aspire to the work of eldership you might say i'm 18 i'm 20 i'm 25 i'm 26 maybe i'm not there yet um continue to serve continue to mature in your theology and handle god's word and and love and serve jesus and, and pursue that space so anyways those are some ending encouragements last thing anything from you guys anything you want to sign off on about eldership? I think one of the things, and we've mentioned it, but, um, you know, the two things that it says that elders should really commit themselves to is the word and prayer, yeah. you know, but we can't neglect that, you know? So just even as much, like if all we do is pray as elders and leaders of the church, that's a good thing, you know, like that's the work of ministry. And so just don't neglect that. I think so often we can get so focused on, okay, here's the next thing to do. Here's the next task to accomplish. Here's the next decision to make. And we can forget to actually go before the father and to be dependent on him. Uh, and that's where we got to be. Wow. Yeah. I think that's good. I think the, the, uh, the other thing I was thinking is that this is not like elders, you know, if you're a church planner, you got a vision, you want to go, it can seem like bringing other people on board can be kind of a, mm. a nuisance or something at yeah. times. This is not a biblical checklist to hit, but if you actually invest raise up you have these elders in the room with you it's going to be a tremendous blessing to you it's work but but don't think it's like you know something that's going to stifle your vision it's help you need it it's helpful yes. yeah preach that's a good word hey thank you guys so much for tuning in thank you two men for your time as always investing in the city life family phil thanks for joining us via all the internet cloud technology that got you here in the room jared as always 
next episode we're talking about something really amazing and it slips in my mind right now but it's going to be amazing so come back all right thanks family appreciate you guys bye